Welcome to the podcast, Career Stories from the Field. I am Penny Strutton, a business psychologist and career coach, and for the last 10 years, I've worked with hundreds of people and helped them find a job or career that fulfills them. Very rarely do we see a straightforward career pathway. This podcast will showcase a variety of careers and highlight the career pathways people have taken to achieve their current position. It is the interesting routes, choices, opportunities and challenges that I will be exploring to showcase how different people have navigated their career. I'm hoping to help young people and career changers join the dots between subjects at school, tertiary education and job experience and give more people confidence to embrace opportunities that take them closer to a fulfilling career. This week, I'm talking to James O'Hare. James has recently taken up the position of Managing Director for Link Mobility, a mobile solutions and CPaaS provider. James started his career as a telesales operator, then moved into a vast array of sales and account management roles. He was recently the head of sales and then general manager for a high growth communications company. James shows just how avid learning and embracing new opportunities has helped him reach the top job. So a very warm welcome to James O'Hare on another episode of Career Stories from the Field. Welcome, James. Thank you very much, Penny. So let's get started. How about uh, introducing yourself? Tell me what your job title is and where you're working and maybe give us an overview of, of what you do every day. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I'm currently a managing director of uh, the UK uh, business of a global organization called Link Mobility. Link Mobility are a communications platform as a service. It's one of those horrid acronyms, CPAS. But, and essentially what they're trying to do is enable brands and businesses to communicate with their customers and staff more effectively. You've caught me at an interesting time, actually, because I've only just recently taken up the role of managing director. And so my uh, day right now is is pretty much dealing with this new role you know whether it be from uh, marketing through to finance through to sales through to customer service it, the the role spans uh, the entire gamut of almost running a little small business so you're obviously you're new to the role as managing director and you've mentioned that you've got a finger in in all of the pies i suppose in all of the departments for the listeners we know that the managing director tends to be you know the top dog Give us an overview of what that role actually involves. Yes, yeah, a really good question, actually. The managing director role, as defined by Link Mobility, really, because I imagine many different uh, organisations have managing directors and they'll maybe do all different variations of things. But for, but for Link, the managing director is the figurehead for that geography. So Link is an organisation which is made up of countries and uh, commercial organisations within those countries. So you know, the UK is part of the Western Europe region, which is made up of France, Spain, Italy, and the UK. And the MD is the figurehead for that country's organisation. And so what that will mean is, is all of the different parts of that business that you would think of when describing any business, that all pretty much lines into that particular position. So for an example, in the, the MD role for the UK, I will manage salespeople. I will also, you know, generating commercial opportunities and winning new business, um, as well as looking after existing customers. Then you have a operations and service team, which is making sure that the, the platforms and the customers are happy with the service and it's running as it should be. 
Then you've got the marketing aspect of trying to generate new business and, and, and interest into, into the linked business and services. And then you've also got the finance side of the business, the finance and commercial side of the business, such as, you know, have we got enough cash in the business to operate, you know, across, across from one month to the next? Uh, what does our audit process look like for managing the, the, the yearly accounts? Do we have or everybody collecting the, the cash that we should be generating uh, through billing our customers? So that MD role is then trying to piece together all of those different departments for that one organization and coalesce them into one overall strategy. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's both tactical and strategic at the same time. Interesting. So you've only just started this role, so I can't ask you what you enjoy about, about it the most. But tell us what you're most excited about. I think the variety, as I've just said, is hugely exciting, but also quite nerve wracking. You know, this is going to be the first time I've had a role that spans across all of those functions. So I'm going to, you know, I've never had to deal with cash flow forecasting, for example. Um, I've never had to do with deal with operations and the processes and the systems that you need to run a successful operations business. So I think what really excites me is pushing myself out of my comfort zone, which is I know is a horrible cliche, but it generally does feel uh, quite uncomfortable, which I recently read. If you're uncomfortable in your role, then it means that you're doing something right because you are out of that comfort zone of feeling, you know, safe because the thing that you're doing is naturally in your hitting zone. And, and I think the also the other part of what really excites me is that I'm going to be really close to the, the people within my team, uh, both my team members and working with them really, really closely because it's going to be a flat structure for the time being, but also working directly with customers. It's something that really excites me about this role of actually get, getting back in front of customers after a period in the recent past where maybe I wasn't be able to do that uh, as much as I would have wanted. You're new to the role of MD. It's the first time you've been an MD. What skills specifically do you think has enabled you to, to take on this role? I think the key thing for me is resilience. And I think that is a, it's a word that is banded around. But what I mean by resilience is that a, a role in senior leadership is will always be uh, like a roller coaster. It will always be huge ups, huge downs. It will be crushing lows. It will be ridiculous highs. And I think resilience for me is the, is the ability to, to remain optimistic despite all of those things. Because the, the job will get hard, really, really hard in the senior leadership positions that I've had. But being able to recharge and dust yourself down the next day and still enter the, enter the world of work with the same level of enthusiasm and optimism and, you know, is, is massively important because... However much in that leadership role you think you hide your frustration, you might hide how down you're feeling, it's never as good as you think. The number of times where a close member of my team would say, are you okay? And I would think, well, of course I'm okay. Do, you not, do I not look okay? And I said, no, you don't. You don't look okay. And here, and here I was in that situation thinking I was handling it beautifully and presenting an outward face of having it all on, all under control. And so I think, you know, that resilience piece of being able to handle the ups, handle the downs, but come back to it every day with a renewed sense of optimism is massively important. And for me, the way I do that is exercise. Exercise is my key recharging mechanism. So as my physical batteries get drained, my mental batteries get charged. So it, it, it's a huge part of the way I deal with 
the stress and the pressures of a of a job. And I think the other skills that I've definitely learned in the recent past is is asking for help because you can't do it all. And I think there's my mistakes in the past is thinking it's all on me to actually do it. And I think if I'm going to be successful in this new role, I'm going to need to, I'm not going to be the expert and I'm going to need to ask for help much, much more than I have ever have done in the past. And I think um, there is this narrative that I think the perfect businessman always knows the answers. And I, and I don't think that's, that's the reality whatsoever. And you only will find out those things and gain that experience by asking for help. Absolutely. I think what's really interesting there is that it is, it's not the case that the, the leader has all the answers. It's their ability to engage and embrace the knowledge and skills of their team to be able to effectively make the, the right decisions and take the, take the risks. Mm, absolutely. Tell us a bit about your team. Well, yeah, so we've got uh, mixed abilities, actually. So we've got people who have got experience in the industry which means that we're not necessarily, I'm not necessarily doing a lot of work on, okay, what does CPAS mean? What problems does that solution solve? At the same time, we've got people who have recently entered the workforce, which I think is really, really interesting from the point of view of how do you then grow individuals like that who haven't necessarily got the, 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 the scars of, of a, long, a long career. And at the same time, I've got individuals that have had that long uh, career, somebody who maybe who's worked for a large corporate and that large corporate often comes with battle scars of work working for a huge corporate organization which i i did i started my career in one of those things so i can speak from experience and so yeah i'm, I'm really excited about the team that that we have that we've had and that is now forming because it's so many different challenges for me as a leader it's it's, it's hugely positive because each one of them is going to challenge me in a different way and i'm going to only going to grow i'm only going to grow but by that so yeah, I'm, there's only going to be, I think by the time we get through the recruitment that we've got planned, we're going to be a team of around nine or 10. Lovely. It's interesting when looking at the, uh, the, the position of managing director, many people might strive to become a managing director, but you don't go to university mm. to do a course on how to be a managing <laughs> director. People kind of, you know, find their way into that position through different disciplines. So what's, what's your discipline? What, what have you brought to the table that has enabled you to, to take on this broader role? I think it's the, it's the ability to, to step in and out of that situation. So I think it's important that you have experience of the major parts of, of an organization. You know, so I'm certainly feel like I can bring experience in the commercial side of the business. So uh, I've had roles in the past where it's been focused on um, sales activity, on retaining existing customers, but I've also worked really closely with experts in, in the past in marketing, for example. So I feel like I have a good, broad knowledge and understanding of the principles. And the same goes with, with finance. So I think it's, it's, it's uh, I think bringing my experience sort of uh, because I've worked at kind of fairly senior levels in recent organizations, but I've also worked with some fantastic people as well, you know, to which I've absorbed all of their, you know, all, all of their experience and know-how. And I think also what, you know, I think this relates to the question of what would I want to bring to, to understanding is the, the theory, the theory around management, I think is hugely important. You know, so I'm a, I'm a voracious reader of, 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 of business books and management theory because I believe that, you know, while I'm not going to change 
just because I read a new book doesn't mean I'm going to change the strategy. I think it does give me the broad sets of foundations to understand how a business works. So let's rewind a bit to, to maybe when you're back at school. Talk to me a bit about, you know, the, the subjects you took, if you took A-levels and talk me through uh, your tertiary education, just so we can kind of get a, an idea of the foundation of, of where you've come from. Yeah, academically, I was, I was, I am what I'd like to describe a bang average student <laughs> because kind of while at school, I didn't necessarily have a great work ethic and really was on, was focused on the social side of, of education, you know, so making friends, having a good time. And I think that that really traveled all the way through from secondary school to A-levels to, to university where the social side of education was more important to me than the actual academic side. You know, so when I did GCSEs, I did I did drama and the creative subjects, which I really enjoyed because it just felt like I was dossing about, you know, um, <laughs> pretty much, uh, and 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 having a good time with with my with my best friend at, at GCSE school. And the same through to A level, I did some creative subjects, and the best mark I got was for performing arts because I was really passionate and interested in that. And then through to university, for, for, for reasons I still don't quite understand, I decided I wanted to apply to become a primary school teacher. You know, nothing to do with the creative arts or anything like that. But I can't quite remember my decision making even now. <laughs> uh, you know, sort of 25 years on. You know, but again, when I got to university, those first two or three years, which for me personally, it was all, all about the social side of my life, on making friends, having a good time, getting wildly drunk, <laughs> um, several times a week um, was more important to me personally and than why I was in the educational establishment in the first place you know so it, it, you know my education really was just a, a series of ways in which for me to have a good time um, <laughs> you know and, and that's pretty much my journey you know right I think it the real turning point was in my last year of university when I started to really understand the, the the concepts of hard work uh, the concepts of okay ah there's a light bulb moment if i actually put quite a lot of work in i get a really good result out and suddenly the the, the penny started to drop really which is good because i then entered the world of work and my first job was at experian which is this global behemoth four billion pound turnover at the time and and i and i applied myself at that point for probably one of the first times you know, my life almost, you know, from a professional perspective. So what did you leave university with? What degree? It was a, <laughs> it was a drama and media studies degree. And it was a, uh, a two, two, uh, as, as my friends and I like to call it a drinking man's degree. <laughs> so you left with a two, two and a hangover. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. So when you moved into an ex into Experian, then what, what role did you have? So I started in tally sales. So uh, it was on used cars and you want to uh, check the provenance of that used car. So, you know, as it got finance, has it had a write-off? And I was the salesperson at the end of the phone uh, to actually take you through that car check. And so we used to have this script. It was something burned into my brain that, you know, I'd do about 30 of these per day. And all the same, just a different reg and a different customer. You know, and I did that for about a year. That was my first sort of tally sales job. And, but, but again, I just had a different mindset at that point where I wanted to be at the top of the leaderboards because, of course, in a sales environment, you'd have leaderboards. I wanted to have as much commission as possible. And, and I, I was always on the lookout from about six, six or nine months in 
I was uh, I when I started to gain an understanding of how big Experian really was and how much of a career I could possibly have, I was always on the lookout for what the next role was, you know. And so by the time I'd um, got to about 11, sort of 10, 11 months in, I'd interviewed for another internal role and, and secured that moving over to a more of a traditional account management B2B sort of uh, account manager role. Still in sales, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's interesting that you did um, performing arts at A-level and, and at university because those skills, actually those interpersonal skills, the confidence, the communication, which obviously you're practicing on your course, but also socially, <laughs> mm. Mm. Are, are really, really important for a sales role, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. It, it's not just around the ability to talk confidently in front of people. And, you know, when I've done conferences and being the compare, speaking in front of a, a room of 30 or 40 people while I've still got butterflies, it's not something that is crippling. And I, and I feel fairly confident doing that. But it's also the, the thing around understanding human behavior, you know, and having an interest in things like uh, business psychology and, you know, how is someone uh, thinks and feels. And so the work I've done in leadership training about understanding your team, what makes them tick what motivates them what motivates me I've always found super interesting and I think it's something I've taken into trying to understand the other person's point of view so I've never got it right 100% of the time no one ever could but I've always felt I've done a reasonable job uh, when I'm making a decision or deciding what to do next the ability to think about how that might land with the other people that I, I work with is something I've always tended to to, to be very good at. Mm, it's, it's a real skill and, and so important when you are an account manager or, you know, a salesperson. No one likes to be sold to. Everyone mm. likes to be understood and, you know, have that collaborative uh, process uh, in place. So so you moved over then into an uh, account manager role. What happened? What happened next? Well, the, the career experience was amazing. I spent 11 years there, right straight out of university, you know, 2003, all the way through to 2014. And, you know, the, the people that you work with, the, the organization type, even though I was there for 11 years, I was able to do about five or six different roles. And I didn't know it at the time, but it, yeah, I was doing a little bit of a mini management training, almost like a graduate training sort of scheme, because I, I started off, as I said, on the telesales and moved into a, a junior account management role. I then did a pure new business role, all in commercial, of course. I then had a year and a year and a bit in a project management capacity, which is really interesting. I then had my first leadership role uh, towards the beginning of 2011, and that was managing a small team, just two people, which I which I found again extremely exciting. You know, and then uh, different industries. So I, I I dealt with retail, with public sector, with insurance, and so that 11 years just gave me such a huge tapestry of experiences, both in type of role, industries, type of products type of people type of leaders you know the people I work for and all that sort of stuff so it's it was um it was quite a, a good career good career a good foundation for me absolutely really diverse giving you that that real broad spectrum from which you now obviously can operate as a as an MD so when you when you left Experian where did you go next yeah so um I made the move across to a small software company in Nottingham and at the time it was called Ascendex. And so this is where, this is the real jumping off point for me. It was the, the, almost what I said earlier on around the comfort zone is 
you know, I've gone from this global corporate behemoth and I got the opportunity to work for a small software company, less than 130 people. In turnover, we're talking fractions of a percent of what of what Experian were doing, but it gave me the opportunity to grow as an individual and work going into a, continuing to do that leadership role that I ended up doing. And, you know, working for a fantastic CEO, uh, um, we know him both well, you know, Jeff Love, and he gave me the opportunity to then uh, start to grow still further in that leadership role. You know, we, there was acquisitions involved. I got the, again, I got access to more experience than, than I'd ever done before. So Experian, it was only sales. When I moved into a, to a Sendex because we were a small organization, I got to get exposure and experience of all manner of different things to do with running a business, you know, and, and that was hugely satisfying from my point of view. I, I constantly felt on the move in terms of my career path, in terms of my experience. It was, it was great. And like I say, that, that whole big leap from a, the warm embrace of experience with 11 years tenure, it was, it was a big, it was a big decision for me, but I've never looked back. Fantastic. So when you were at Ascendex, you were the head of sales mm -hmm. and then your, your job title changed, didn't it? Yeah. So we, we started to grow internationally with, with acquisitions and there'd been other territories that there were active as well, such as Spain and France and Australia, you know, and then I think with private equity investment uh, that the company received in 2017, we, we expanded still further with bringing together a group of organizations, expanding our territories into Italy more acquisitions and so therefore the role became uh, for the UK business it, with acquiring new businesses it became managing the transition of acquired business into the business as usual but also managing a little bit on the commercial side so that the role of general manager was was what I had just before leaving because it felt like we were I was doing a little bit more non-sales activity even though it was still the vast majority was was running the sales team. For somebody who's looking at, uh, who's listening and, and looking at you in the position of MD and, and has heard the, the, the journey that you've taken, cheesy word, but the journey that you've taken to get to where you are now, what advice would you give a young person who would be interested in your journey and, and certainly in the position of MD? I think one, one aspect is, I think I touched on it earlier on, which is around don't ignore the theory, the theory that's available to you in reading around the subject sometimes i imagine for some people the thought of reading a business book is you know sends them straight to sleep but i think it's it really has made a huge difference to listen to different perspectives you know so, and especially around things like um modern ways of the people side of the business so i've read voraciously simon sinek i'm a huge fan of him in his ideals around purpose-driven business which i think which are, which are really good. Daniel Priestley is another good one. John uh, Amici, a former basketball player, he's, re he's released a book, I think last year, uh, called The Promises of Giants. And it was a fantastic read around treating people with, you know, respect and treating, and treating people as, as people mm. uh, rather than numbers, you know. And I think that's maybe at the, towards the end of my time at Experian, in a large organization, it can sometimes feel like you are treated like that number, you know, and so therefore that importance, whether in any business, any leadership role that you've got, understanding the person, understanding, you know, what motivates them is hugely important. So I think theory is, is a big, is a big thing. You don't have to be the expert and I do the role. And I think that also solves a little bit of the chicken and the egg. So how am I going to get a, a role that, in, that 
deals with marketing if I don't do marketing? Well, if you can demonstrate that you've, you know, you've got a lot of the foundations in your reading, that will definitely help you make some of those leaps. And then I think the the second thing around the the advice I would give is to, is to is to continue to seek ways to move yourself forward, because I think it would be it would have been really easy for me to have had one job at Experian, and because you know as long as you're you're achieving, you can tick that box, then you move on. But I've always thought, okay, what is the next challenge I can give myself? You know, and that doesn't mean that you're looking for something else after six months. It, it just means you're looking for new ways to to challenge yourself and keep yourself growing. I think that's really interesting because so often people think, oh, you know, it's the organization's job to develop me or to promote me or, you know, mm. to give me opportunity. And at the end of the day, it is it is your it is your job. It is uh, your yep. responsibility. And only only by being proactive will you move yourself forward. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I have worked with people in the past that were waiting for a career to happen to them. Mm. And often being quite bitter when it wasn't. Yeah. Um, a career is something you make of it. And uh, yeah, I totally, totally agree that it's, it's, it's your career and you can be proactive. And sometimes that means you have to upset some people because you decide to hand your notice in because you need to grow by leaving the organisation. That's okay. And it's only the poor leaders that will ever, you know, want to tell you off. Hold it against or, you. Or hold it against you, for sure. Mm. So for other um, for other listeners that might be more advanced in their career and would one day like to be an MD themselves, what advice would you give them? I think there's, there's different ways. I've been I've been fortunate in finding an organisation that is globally structured, you know, so is has countries, you know, markets all, all across the world, but they have a very smaller set up for the for those different countries so i've been able to assume that role this this feels like a really opportune well fortunate thing for me in that i'm i'm able to do an md role but do it in a safe environment in that it's you know we're part of a larger group of companies so it's it feels that way but i know everybody else won't be as fortunate as that but i think it's it's around working with people who you know you can gain confidence and gain experience from and plus there is there is a, a whole heap of personal learning that you're able to do to to again make you feel make you more appealing for people who wanted to 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 get that md role yeah and and i think another aspect is sometimes a sideways move allows you to move upwards you know so it isn't always linear you know so i think i would always consider in the long run is is a particular move or a particular bit of experience that you're going to get even if it might appear sideways, it's actually going to allow you to go sideways and then up. Whereas you might not be able to do that in, in a linear way with what you're doing right now. Mm. I suppose it's about having that diversity of experience, like what you've explained, you've acquired. Uh, if you want to move into that, that MD role, being able to, as you say, understand the theory, but also have some practice and experience in, in some of the disciplines that you would be uh, overseeing expanding your your knowledge and experiences is at a senior level is is important like you say taking a sidestep might be just what you need to be able to then push on upwards yeah absolutely mm. so i know you've only just got this role and a big congratulations but what's next for you i've tended to only work in that two or three year horizon when when i've been in any particular role 
is because I find that trying to look too far ahead is there's too many things, there's too many variables to, to try and predict five or, or 10. I would never ask in a, in an interview situation, I'd never ask anybody, well, what do you want to do in five years? Because I think it's just too far. It's too long, too long a journey. And so really the next two or three years for me, considering I've just taken up this role, it's just about executing the plan that we've got in place between now and 2025. You know, that, that was what was a part of me joining, was putting forward that plan. And I want to absolutely do that. And also gain as much of that experience as I can in those different areas that I'm, you know, in some respects a novice in, is gaining the experience that, that allows me to, at the end of that two or three year period, I feel like I, I can, I'm actually performing at the right level. You know, that's, that's really my focus for the next two or three years. Fantastic. Well, I wish you every bit of luck and I'm sure you'll absolutely smash it. So thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another career story from the field. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow or subscribe. Thanks for listening.